John, stand this morning as we worship together. And I believe I'll see you do 
it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you move Come move the mountains And I believe I'll see you do it again You made a way Where there was no way And I believe I'll see you do it again I've seen you the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you do it again I'll see you do it again your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never Pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your goodness, for your grace. We're thankful that, God, you love us in the midst of every trial and every temptation, every hardship. You love us and care for us. You you gave yourself for us so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we would not be separated from you, but so that we would have hope. So God, we gather this morning to give you our worship, to give you all glory and honor and praise because you are worthy. You're worthy of that and so much more. God, we pray that you would heal our community, you'd heal our land. God, so many have experienced hardship, even this week. God, we think about our, our neighbors who, God, lost their lives in the, the storms that we had this week. God, we just pray that you would comfort them, or rather comfort their family. God, that you would give their family hope. God, you would be with, with the pastors who are ministering to them, with the community that is trying to love them. God, I just pray that they would experience comfort even in the midst of this dark and trying time. God, we ask that you would guide our church as we try to navigate everything happening around us. God, I pray that we would be wise. That, God, you would be You'll be a light for us. God, we know that you're faithful in all things, and so we would just ask, God, that, that as we go through the days ahead, God, you would direct our paths. God, I pray that your word this morning would not return void. God, I pray that you would accomplish all you intend for it. 
God, I pray for those who are sick, they would experience healing. For those who are hurting, they would experience your comfort and love. And God, help us to always be a light in the darkness around us as we follow you faithfully. God, thank you for your grace as we pray in Christ's name. Amen. praise you that you came to us and you died for us but more than that father god not only did you offer redemption 
you left your spirit here with us so that we could know what it was like to live with you daily. Father God, forgive us for the times that we forget that we walk, and when we walk, we walk with you, regardless of whether you want to be there or not. We drag you, Father God, with us when we've asked you into our hearts. So forgive us, Father God, for the t places that we have taken you, the things that we have forced you through to live with us because of our selfish desires. Father God, we pray that the spirit inside, Father God, would be a convicting spirit, that it would let us feel the need for redemption, Father God, the need for forgiveness. This morning, Father God, we pray that you would come inside our hearts once again, renew the spirit of salvation, Father God, the feeling, but not just the feeling, Father God, the desire to live for you, holy and pure. Father God, we love you and we worship you and we understand that it is only only because of grace that we are able to have this relationship. So, Father God, let us not take it for advantage. Let us truly want and desire a better life, a life that is with you, Father God, a life that has meaning more than anything the world could offer. This morning we pray that you would just bless the pastor, let him have words that are sanctified from you, that your message would penetrate our hearts and that we would leave changed people, changed for your kingdom, ready and willing to go out there and make a difference for you, Father God. We love you and we worship you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. In your bulletin, it says that uh, I am preaching this morning, and that is my mistake. Um, I'd, we have a big schedule that has... Everything we're doing for months and months and months on it, and um, I forgot to change uh, a name on it. So it's got my beautiful picture in there um, instead of Lore's beautiful picture with his suit on. And so just imagine Lore in a suit, and that's the picture that's supposed to be uh, there in your bulletin this morning. Uh, but before he um, brings God's word to us from the book of Acts uh, this morning, I just want to... Um, mention a couple of things to you. I want to thank first everyone who came out to help on Thursday. Um, we had brought here to the church in the midst of flooding and chaos. Um, over 1,300 boxes of food uh, came on a refrigerated truck and we unloaded that uh, into our parking lot and into uh, automobiles um, that took that food and distributed it uh, in Burke County, in Avery County, in Cowell, uh, and in Catawba County, and in Iredale County. And so um, it went a long ways, and I was really concerned Wednesday night. Uh, we still had over 200 boxes uh, that weren't promised out, and uh, by the time we got to the end, we were technically one box short. And so um, it was amazing how folks showed up and uh, picked up that food. Some people that were just driving by, as my understanding, picked it up. Uh, some of the people that had come to help us. Uh, and then some local uh, nonprofits who already have relationships uh, in the community with people who need food uh, were able to take that food and get it out. And so uh, thank you uh, for coming and helping um, we have tweaked a few things for this week to actually streamline the process. Um, we unloaded all of that food off the truck in about two hours, which is pretty exceptional considering uh, that we did that by hand. So other than a few boxes that were put from one truck to another, um, the rest of it was, was handed off the truck by hand. And so, um, uh, and many of you were in those lines of, of putting food in the car and that sort of thing. And so, if you're able to help us again this week, uh, we would love to have uh, your help. Again, we're going to streamline that, try to run two lines of cars through to unload a little quicker uh, and, and get folks moving on because they've still got to take that food, uh, which has to be refrigerated because it has meat and dairy products along with fruits and vegetables in it. And, um, and so it's got to be, we got to get it moving. And so we're going to do that again uh, this week uh, on Thursday and help some folks out. And we know uh, that for many people, uh, this will be kind of some of the food that they're going to use around Thanksgiving. And so, um, you know, and it's good quality stuff. Uh, we had 
uh, folks that you know, got back in touch with me and, and you know, pictures of food they had cooked and that sort of thing. And so it's good to see that being used. Um, but that's something that we've been doing through Baptist on mission. And so we want to, uh, um, to be excited about that and, and continue to do that. Uh, next week, and then some a little bit in December. And so, uh, so keep that in mind if you can help out on Thursday mornings, uh, even if you can only come for an hour or two, that would be a big benefit uh, for us. And uh, you can come a little after 8 o'clock, and uh, we're going to get that rolling. Hopefully everything will be on time this week, no tropical storms, um, no floodwaters, uh, keeping the driver from getting here on time. Uh, the other thing is I just wanted to thank everyone. Um, uh, a lot of you reached out to me this week, um, as you might have heard on, on Tuesday, uh, I was elected president of our Baptist Convention here in North Carolina, and one, I wanted to thank you for the congratulations, but also I wanted to commend you. Um, you need to understand that uh, part of the reason uh, why uh, this is possible is because of your faithfulness uh, to mission work, and so I might be the one who, who gets the title um, this year, uh, but because our church has been faithful for a long time, even long before I came, um, our church was faithful to the ministry and faithful to missions, faithful in doing things like disaster relief, uh, participating um, in those ministries. Um, people uh, know, some people know uh, who we are, and um, a lot more people know now, and that's a good thing for our church. Um, but you need to no understand that this is a, a collaborative effort between all of us. And because uh, you have been faithful in your ministry, faithful in your giving uh, to missions, um, we're able to have this influence. And it is exceedingly rare uh, for this position to be held by someone who pastors a small church. We often think about all of the celebrity pastors and how important they are. Uh, but this week, I got an email from the president of the Southern Baptist Convention referring to me as his president. And so, uh, um, so that's where we are. We are no longer just exit 116. Um, we get to have a little bit of influence, and I hope we use it well, because what we understand is that small churches throughout our state make the ministry of missions possible. It's the small churches throughout our state who are um, supporting the, the over 3,000 missionaries with the IMB who support um, our, our thousands of missionaries across North America uh, who make disaster relief possible uh, when there is some type of disaster. And so um, uh, I just want to commend you uh, that your faithfulness has, has helped to make this possible. And so, um, and again, I thank you for all the congratulations for that. So now, Pastor Lore. Our associate pastor of students and children is going to come and bring God's word from Acts chapter 4 for us. Thank you, Mr. President. <laughs> there's an announcement. Um, family photos. There's a sign-up sheet in the, in the, in, in the front lobby. So... Go ahead and sign up on the open slots, and it will be at, at the one of the modulars in the, in, 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 in the back. So. But today, we'll be in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 and 22. So if you have your Bibles turned there, we're not going to read it yet. Uh, but turn there, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse, 20, uh, verse 1 and 22. So growing up, my, uh, my, of course, my, we were immigrants from Thailand, and so my parents used to work. Um, jobs, hard jobs. My mom would work first shift. My dad would work second shift. We didn't see them much growing up. And, and um, you know, at that age, when you're five and six years old, you want to see your mom and dad. And you, you often ask the question, how come dad is not around at nighttime? How come, you know, while they was working? And it's not until, you know, I have my own children. I, I, I grew up when I realized that, you know, you got to work. You got to work for your kids. You, uh, they're, they're all the motivation why you got to work. You got to grind. You got you to you provide for your family. Now, the question I want to consider is, for us today is, why do we toil for the gospel? For this, for, for, as a church, why do we toil? Why is this gospel so important? Why? Because the church begins with the gospel. 
The church begins with the gospel. Literally, Captain, what's going on is that Jesus tells, in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells his disciples not to dis- depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus commissions them to be his witness in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus is ascended into the heavens. Two white men in white robes tell the disciples that their mission is urgent. What are you doing? Go. Your mission is urgent. Matthias is chosen to replace Judas. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to preach in different language to different people. Peter preached, and 3,000 were added to the number. The apostles then devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship to breaking up the bread. They were in one accord. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going to temples to pray, and they heal a man, a lame beggar. And then Peter begins to, to preach the gospel to the crowd. He begins to preach. And here we get to Acts chapter 4. If you will with me, we stand in reverence to God's word. Acts chapter 4. Verse 1 to 22. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon him, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested him and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all those who were of high priestly family. And they sat them down in the midst and inquired, By what power, by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if you are being, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders who which have become the cornerstone. And there is no salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among them by which we must be saved. And when they have saw that the bonus of Peter and, and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed beside them, they have nothing to say in opposition. So when they have commanded them to leave the council, they confer with one another, saying, what should we do with these men? For their notable signs have been performed through them. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread no further among the people, let us warn them not to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they call him back and charge him not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or rather than to God, we must judge. You must judge. For we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they have further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because the people of all were praising God for what had happened. For the men who, for the men who on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. You may have a seat. The, the gospel is a threat to those who are vested in interest and power. The gospel is a threat to those who are vested in interest for power and comfort. You can say that this is 1 Corinthians 1.18. The gospel is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing. Here we see that the, 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 the apostles are preaching and they are interrupted by the leaders the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, they were greatly annoyed because Peter and John were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The Jewish leader, remember, they have just executed Christ as a blasphemer, and now Peter and John were proclaiming Christ. They, the Sadducees moved in quickly to investigate what was going on, for they did not believe in the resurrection. 
The Sadducees did not think that it was taught in the Pentateuch, but only the portion of the Hebrew Bible, which they acknowledged as authoritative. Peter and John was arrested because they were refuting to one of the Sadducees' fundamental belief. But it also posed a, a threat to their position. See, the Sadducees, they were also accommodationists to the Roman Empire. They wanted to make peace. They were the peacekeeper. Their concern was to make peace with Rome and preserve their status quo and thus protect their own holding. They believed that anyone making a, a messianic claim was the best a mistake and, a, and worse, a political, uh, they didn't want a political revolution happening. It was a threat to their comfort, comfortable position, their, their, their status quo. So they move in to investigate, and they see that Peter and John are proclaiming this message of Jesus, who, they, who these people have just executed. And they lock them up. Believing the gospel makes you an enemy of the world, and friends with them makes you an enemy of God. As Christians, we cannot be friends with the world and friends with God. We either choose one or the other. We either, we either are friends with the world, enemies of God, or friends of God and enemies of the world. We will be called names. Christians, we will be called all sorts of names. We will be called uh, all sorts of uh, names by all sorts of groups. We, they will call us haters, uh, uh, liars. There is no position of power in, in being a Christian. The only power that we have comes from the Spirit. The only hope that we have comes in Christ. Unlike the Sadducees, the gospel is our source of, true source of hope. The gospel is a threat to those who are vested in interest in power and comfort. The gospel does not promise us comfort in this world, riches in this world, power, but it it promises us peace. It promises power to get the message out. It promises us the Holy Spirit. It promises us eternal life, Christ. Second, the gospel cannot be stopped. Verse 4 says, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and about the number of men came to about 5,000. On Pentecost, one of the believers in Jerusalem only numbered 120. In response to Peter's sermon that day, 3,000 were added. And with the healing of the layman, Peter's sermon, and the rest of the apostles, the church grew up to 5,000. The gospel cannot be stopped. Fast forward almost 2,000 years, and the first Hmong family comes to Christ. In 1947, Reverend and Mrs. Mrs. Ted Andronoff sailed from New York to Vietnam. In 1948, they were assigned to work in San Quang, Laos. They arrived in August and began language study in Van Zandt, Laos. In 1949, they left Van Zandt, Laos to San Quang. In the spring of 1950, they were able to lead the first Hmong people in the town of San Quang to accept Christ. He then goes on to lead his family to Christ. They go on to lead their family to Christ. This new convert begins to evangelize his own people. By July, the number of believers had reached 1,700. By March of 51, a total of 2,300 Hmong people have come to Christ. Four years later, that number climbed to 5,000. The gospel cannot be stopped. It did not stop in Jerusalem. It hasn't stopped now. The gospel is still being preached. People are still hearing the gospel. God is still at work. The gospel cannot be stopped. Regardless of what oppositions that there is, the gospel cannot be stopped. I'm here today because of the gospel reached among people. And it trickles down and then my grandparents heard the gospel. My parents heard the gospel. And they took us to church. And then I heard the gospel. And now what I'm doing is to teach my kids the gospel. 
And so in doing so, they may teach their kids and their friends and people around them about the gospel. The gospel cannot be stopped. It just keeps rolling, rolling. Early years in my ministry, uh, the first couple years, it was tough. Uh, I would reevaluate myself and kind of question, question myself. Like, I've been here for three years. How come I, you know, no one has, you know, accepted Christ. No one has ever, no one has, you know, decided to go to ministry. You know, what's going on? I, I, I will question myself. And I learned that, 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 that proclaiming the gospel, the word of God, is not a waste of time. It is not. God's word does not return empty, and it should accomplish what God has purposed, and it should succeed in the things for which God has sent for. My response was to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel and let God do the rest. And slowly, I had a youth who decided he wanted to be a pastor. I had another youth that was part of a church plan. The gospel is not a waste of time. It, it just, it, 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 it keeps going. It cannot be stopped. Proclaim the gospel is not a waste of time. Maybe you'll proclaim the gospel, teaching it to your children or, or teaching Sunday school, and you think it's a waste of time. Nothing's been happening. It's not a waste of time. Keep teaching. Keep proclaiming. I learned that it's on God's timing. It's not on my timing. It is God who works through the gospel, not me, not on my education, my experience. But God, God is the one who works in the gospel. Next is that the, next is that the gospel, the gospel saves. The gospel saves. On the next day, the rulers and elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, all those who are the high priestly family. See, these rulers uh, and elders and teachers of the law are made up the Jewish council. Uh, this is throughout the same council that has condemned Jesus to death. And when it has sent for them in the midst, they inquire, by what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers, of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means does this man have been healed? Let it be known to all of you, to the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under the heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The gospel saves. See, Peter, as we're going through the gospel of Mark and you, Peter's a big talker. Right? In Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to, to, to 30, Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ. And then right down the road, Peter rebukes Jesus. Jesus begins to teach them that he's going to be rejected, killed, and be raised on the third day. Peter takes Jesus to the side and rebukes him, which is a bad idea. <clears throat> In Mark 14, Peter denies Jesus three times. In John chapter 21, Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. So Peter, we, I always call him little boy Peter. He's, he's the spokesman of the group. He's, he's always the first one to speak. And then kind of cowers we're after. But here, he proclaims one of the examples of, 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 of God's promise of filling from Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you will, should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in, what, in that very hour that you ought to say. <clears throat> Peter, under the, whole, under the power of the Holy Spirit, puts the Sanhedrin 
on trial by preaching the gospel to the same men who condemned Christ and made themselves an enemy of God. See, when God works, it's totally different. Peter is no longer this, this, this big talker and, and, and a coward, but a man who, but as Jesus, the rock, Cephas, the rock, in verse 9 and 10, Peter transformed his former defense into evangelistic proclamation. He proclaims that it was Jesus of Nazareth who healed the lame beggar. It wasn't Peter that did it, but it was Jesus, Jesus that healed. By the name of Jesus Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom, you, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you. Jesus, Peter points it to Christ points it to Christ. They ask you by what name, by what power. Peter says, Christ. Peter didn't say, it was my experience, my degree, my experience in, in, in years of fishing. Peter says, it was Christ. In verse 11, Peter refers to Psalms 118, verse 12, to help the elders to understand that their rejection of Jesus and the Father's resurrection of him or fulfillment of God's plan. This Jesus is the cornerstone rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And here, in verse 12, Jesus gives them an invitation. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to them by which we must be saved. Peter declares that Jesus has become the cornerstone, the capstone, which holds the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. The gospel is the foundation, one of the foundations of the church. <clears throat> Jesus gives them invitation in verse 12. There is no other name that can save you except for Jesus. Many people today react negatively to the name of Jesus, to the gospel. I mean, we didn't decide it. it. You know, it wasn't that the church got together and says, hey, you know what, let's, 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 um, let's make that, you know, it's, it's, it's only Jesus that can save. No, 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 no. And Jesus said himself, no one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. Romans 1, 16 tells us that it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes in the gospel. The gospel saves gospel saves. There is enough evidence for these leaders to see, but yet, and we're reading a little bit, they refute the belief. They, they, they don't believe. A message that gives you hope in yourself is not the gospel. A message that gives you hope in yourself is not the gospel because we're pretty hopeless. I'm pretty hopeless without Christ. A message that promises you riches, health, power, and position is where it's not the gospel. It is a message, but it's not the gospel. It does not bring life. Galatians 1, 7, chapter 1, 7 to 9 tells us that there is no other gospel. There is no other gospel that can save. Peter says this to the crowd in the earlier chapters. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. A time of refreshing may come from the Lord. The gospel saves. It was the gospel that I heard in the summer of 2000 that I made me realize that I was a wretch, that I needed God. Not that I wanted my best life then and now, but that I needed a Savior. My sins separated me from God. And what I deserved was eternal punishment. But that God loved me so much, he gave his only one and son, his one and only son for me. Do I believe him, I will have eternal life. And I heard the gospel. And I believe in the gospel. I turned to Christ that summer camp. Came back home and got baptized. I believe in the gospel. The gospel saves. And that's the good news. The good news. There's only one good news for all of us that God loves you. And by believing the gospel, you can be saved from your sin. Maybe you believe a different kind of gospel. 
Man, I urge you to turn and believe in the gospel of Christ. Not the gospel that promised you riches in this world, but the gospel of the Savior who loves you enough that he died for you. The gospel of, of, of an almighty God who sent his son for you as a propitiation for your sin, a ransom for your sin. The gospel saves. And if you haven't heard the gospel, talk to me. I want to share the gospel with you. It will be the only good news that you will ever need in your life. Next, the gospel is mobilized by God. The gospel is mobilized by God. <clears throat> Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They, and then they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Peter and John weren't educated in any sort of theological school. They didn't go to seminary. They were common men. They lacked credential. Sort of like if you look up their resume today, it would be like fishermen, fishermen for so many years, and you will probably say, you know, this guy's not qualified to teach. This guy's not qualified to do anything big. They lack the credential of a professional teacher of the law. And the Sadducees, they recognize that. Yeah, they also recognize that they have been with Jesus. And what they fail to realize and see is that God was working through the apostles. It's God who works through the apostles. Here we get back to verse a, it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, the gospel is mobilized by God. It wasn't Peter in his great knowledge of fishing explaining the gospel. No. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the council, the gospel is mobilized by God. God is the composer of the gospel. He composes every note, every beat, every melody, every measure, every stance, and every line. He is also the conductor of the gospel. He conducts every melody. He knows every stance. You and I are just instrumentalists that God uses in sharing the good news. We look from, if we look at the Bible, we see that God uses kings, prophets, fishermen, tax collectors, murderers, adulterers, people from different nationality, status quo, to share the gospel. God uses a Hmong mother who knew little English to broken English to pray for her children. She would pray for her kids in Hmong. She would ask them for their prayer requests. She would get on her knees and pray with them. She would try to share the gospel with them. God did not use a rich and powerful Hmong woman to share the gospel and pray for me. God used a humble six, five by five little Hmong mother to pray for me, to pray for her children. Here I am today because the God, God you didn't mobilize her to teach her children. And I do the same thing to teach my children the gospel. The gospel is mobilized by God, not by ourselves. Sometimes we think that, hey, you know, look at, because I'm so smart, God's going to eat. No, God used fishermen. Just think about that, right? God used shepherds. God used tax collectors. Sometimes I get a little big head, you know. Hey, I'm so great. Look at me. I got a seminary degree, and I... And, I, and God pops my bubble. He says, you know, who are you? You're, so, you're, you're just this little guy that I'm using. And I turn around, come back, and says, God, yes. Thank you that, 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 that you allow me to share the gospel. Thank you that you are using me. Um, I, 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 I deserve death, punishment. But yeah, you, you give me life. And you give me the abilities to share the gospel to the youth at the FBI, to the, to, to the, to the youth that that I come in contact with. The gospel is mobilized by God. It's not mobilized for us. It's God who puts people into play. It's, it's God who, who directs the players 
is this God who, who draws the plan of how this should be. We are just his hands and feet. His. If you are in Christ, you are his witness. Proclaim the gospel faithfully. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready in season and out of season. Preach the gospel. Preach it faithfully. Because the gospel is mobilized by God. It's not mobilized by you. You didn't come up with this great plan. It was God. Paul writes to little Timothy. First Timothy 4 tells us, For to this end we toil and strive, because we are hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all the people, especially those who believe. This is why I toil and preach the gospel. It's for the glory of God, because God is our hope. We do it to the end. We grind to the end. And, 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 and sometimes you will tell me, is there no other message? No, 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 no. The gospel is what saves. All right. The gospel is what saves. And if you don't know the gospel, then you're not saved. This Wednesday I had, a, I had lunch with one of my youth, and I shared him the gospel. Shem drew, drew him the picture, and then says, hey, on this picture, where do you think you're at? Are you still over here apart from God? Are you kind of dealing with faith in God? Are you over here in Christ? You believe this? I think I'm over here. And I told him, good, because I want you as, as a youth member, I want to make sure that, that you know the gospel. He said, yeah, I'm over here with God. There is no other special, me- special message that I'm going to be teaching. And so if you're youth here today, you might go, oh, like, that's all he does is teach the gospel because it's the message that saves. And I'm being mobilized by God to teach that. The gospel will advance. Verse, 15, verse 15. But when they have commanded them to leave the council, they confer with one another, saying, what should we do with these men? For this for that a notable sign has been performed through them. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that they may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name, and to call them back and charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot speak what we have seen and heard, when they have no further, when they have further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because the people, for all, were praising God for what had happened. For the man who the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. The Sanhedrin admitted that, 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 that the sign has been done to this lame man. It's great. They cannot refute it. But yeah, instead of repenting and believing to Peter's, uh, Peter's proclamation of the gospel, they focus on guarding their, their status as religious authorities and suppressing the truth. They sought to halt the spread of Christianity at all costs. So they threatened the disciples not to teach anymore. Punishment would be a little too risky because the disciples didn't break any laws. And if they were, and the disciples were to be punished, they might lead to a riot by the people because they were praising God for this miracle. In verse 19, Peter and John reference what they have heard and seen because they have been with Jesus. They are his eyewitnesses. You, again, you and I, if you are in Christ, you are Jesus' eyewitness. We are his witness. Verse 22, the fact that the man was 40 years old, over 40 years old. Now, if you're 40 years old and you've been lame, there's really not that much hope for you. You're 40 years old and you're you're a lame beggar. That's it. You're you're kind of going downhill. But yet, the Bible tells us that this man who was healed 
was more than 40 years old. God healed this man. It was Christ who healed the man. And that was the evidence presented to the Sanhedrin, but instead of believing, they refuted. They focused on their comfort, comfortable positions, their pay. Christians, we live in a time uh, where it gets harder and harder, especially during this time of COVID, where, where indoor gatherings are limited to a certain numbers. In some states, we can't gather at all. Should we obey the government? Should we say no? We should obey the government. But when the government decrees are clearly contrary to God's word, we must obey God. We must obey God. My encouragement is that we keep proclaiming the gospel. The church begins the foundation of the gospel. It is the message that saves. It is about the Savior, Christ. I mean, what worse can happen to a Christian? We, we, we meet up today, and, you know, let's say we live in a state where we can't meet up. We meet up anyway. The government comes in, arrests us. Maybe some of us are put to death. What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. If I get, if I get, if I get beheaded, I get to be with Christ. I get to be with Christ. If I get persecuted, I get to share in his glory. What's the worst that can happen to a Christian? Nothing. Keep proclaiming the gospel. Keep proclaiming. Why do we toil? Why do I toil for the gospel? It's because the gospel is a threat to those who are vested in power and position. The gospel cannot be stopped. The gospel saves. The gospel is mobilized by God. It is power empowered by God. The gospel will advance. The Sadducees, the council, they try to stop the spread of the gospel. Yet, here we are, the gospel is still rolling. We are here because some of us, many of us, heard the gospel. I'm here because I heard the gospel. So why do we toil? the glory of God, for his message to be heard by people who do not know. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is real. We give you things that your word is light, a light to our feet. It gives us hope. God, may we continue to Hold on to the gospel, preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel faithfully, joyfully in the midst of trials, in the midst of persecution. May we preach it, proclaim it, hold on to it. And for anyone who, don't, who doesn't know the gospel, God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself through the hearing of the gospel. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you that in your word there's hope, there's life that we can turn to. That your word is the good news. In this time where everything on TV or social media is bad news, we can turn to you. Your word is good news. Praise in Christ's name. I'll stand this morning. God's speaking to you today and you need to come forward. There are pastors up here that are willing to take you, talk to you about whatever it may be, whether it's convicted about not sharing the gospel to those around you. Maybe it's that you've never made a true confession of faith. The song that we're singing today is it's called The Blessing and it's, it's really for you as you go out for all of us to remember that regardless of where we are in life, that God is always with us if we have accepted him. And it's words that you're going to be familiar to, and we hope that it, it, it is a blessing to you as we sing it today. 
Thank you for coming to worship this morning. Lord, thank you for that message and encouraging us with the power of the gospel. Friends, we live in a time where truth is rejected. And yet there's only one truth and one truth that can save. And if we miss it, then the message we give is not one that saves lost sinners who are separated from the God who made them. And yet the good news is that we can be reconciled with God. We can have a relationship with God. And that is truly good news this morning. I hope that as you go, the Lord will bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. I hope over the next uh, hour or so you'll take a moment and pray for Pastor Alex. He's going to be sharing at uh, Longview Baptist in just a few minutes. Our, our time in, in partnering with them is, is kind of wrapping up. They have identified... Uh, an interim pastor, which is Ed Yunt, who was with us uh, last week, and he is going to do such a fantastic job in encouraging them and helping them, and I'm excited that we could actually make that partnership between them and him happen, and uh, that is going to be good for them and good for that community uh, as they get to hear uh, his preaching as God ministers to them through uh, God's word. And so, uh, but pray for Alex and sharing with them in just a, a little while over there. And uh, if you can this week, come help us um, on Thursday. If nothing else, if you're sitting at your desk about 9 o'clock in the morning, 9.30 in the morning, say a little prayer for those boxes being slung off 
box full of food. They put the milk in the box this time, so you got to do it all at one time, about 40 pounds or so per sling, I guess it is. And, uh, uh, and so pray for that, that that goes out, and that that food is being used by these churches to minister to people. And I've been amazed as I've got to travel around the state the last month, how many people have been saved through a government food box. Friends, that's exciting to hear that God would use even, even government overspending or whatever it is to save somebody from an eternity separated from him. And so just pray that those boxes are used in a mighty way uh, this week. I want to pray for us, and we're going to be dismissed. I hope you have a blessed week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness and grace toward us. Lead and guide us as we go. Let us be gold in our pro- our bold in our proclamation of the gospel. Bold in our stance for you. God, let us never fear. Let us have the courage to say, you can judge whether it's right or wrong to listen, but we're going to proclaim the gospel. The government can decide to do what they're going to do. And that's between them and between God. But God, let us be bold enough to say we're going to stand for your word and for your truth. Lead and guide us as we go. Bring us back to worship soon, and we pray this in Christ's name.